on this week's episode, we take you guys through our journey of elementary school through college and our needs. We talk about bullying and we talk about how when we went on strike to not use the accommodations we needed. (laughs) We also talk about how we had to get over our complex of feeling like a burden while asking for the tools that we needed and uh, the times that we cried about it. Yeah, we cried. (laughs) Stay tuned for more. (laughs) Is it working? Yes. (laughs) Three, two... Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rare with Flair. The podcast where two 20-somethings with the same rare disease are living our best lives. I'm your host, Cassandra. And I'm your host, Casey. Today's a very special day because it is the Queen's birthday. Yes! My guide dog, Romana, turned six today, the day that we're recording this episode. I am, I just feel so many emotions, one of which is I can't believe that it's been four years that I've had her and now I feel old. (laughs) I know, no, happy birthday, Romana. Everybody wish Romana a happy birthday. We are so happy that you've had her for six years. Well, you haven't had her for six years, but she's six years old. (laughs) Um, She's like hitting her peak, so I really hope that everything dies down and we get to really just enjoy the next few years that we have working together. I'm really excited. And she's amazing. I just, I've like, I don't think I've ever loved a, a thing more. Oh, <laughs> well also to totally change the subject, I just had to say it and mention her birthday, but fall is coming up and we both love fall. And oh, are you, you're in Ohio, I'm in Tennessee. So like, mm-hmm. is it sweater weather there yet. It was actually a little chilly today when I went to take Ramon outside and it was so nice. I think Ugh. Saturday is supposed to be like 40 or 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my right? gosh. Okay. I'm so thrilled. Okay. Oh yeah. It's still kind of hot here, but I'm drinking. Are you into pumpkin spice? I love pumpkin spice, but like the lattes themselves taste like straight sugar so i don't always like them Um, you gotta get them with one pump that's what i do Mm. just one pump of the pumpkin spice yeah no i feel that like i i'm like such a sucker for like the starbucks christmas beverages so i do that with like one pump too and it's like perf yes uh fall we love you we can't wait booty season and yes jacket season (laughs) booty season (laughs) Not like she booty like booty, <laughs> but like booty like she, short boots. <laughs> she means the short short boots. <laughs> you know what else what other season it is? What? It's back to school season. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why are we like so giggly tonight? I love it. Oh my gosh, I love that. Um yeah, it is <laughs> Thanks for the lead-in, Case. Yeah, yeah it's to. back to school season, and we thought that it would be a whole lot of fun if we did a back-to-school episode and talked about our time in school. Yes, we have a lot of many years. Like, if we're we're going from kindergarten to college here, so this is like spanning yeah. most of our lifetime. This <laughs> so. is covering a lot of ground. But yeah, we're gonna start from the beginning and just kind of go going through talking about 
the services we used and like social aspects of just I don't know growing up Mm-hmm. But also bear in mind, like, we were in elementary school in, like, the late 90s slash early 2000s, so it's been a bit. <laughs> right. So we're going to start with elementary school. Yeah. So about services. Here's my history fun fact. I'm so excited. I oh, here we go. This, Early like, on in the episode, too. Only a few minutes in, and we're already we're, at the history fun fact. We are coming out swinging. Uh, it's the only one. But um, so <laughs> in the United States, we have the... IEP, which is the Individualized Education Program. We'll probably be using that acronym a lot. The history part is that the IEP more formally came to being through the IDEA Act of 1997 in the United States. So um, Mr. George Bush Sr. signed that into being, and it is just a, a legal document for American public schools to help define services for students with disabilities so that they can have their best chance to succeed. If you're at a private school, it's called the 504 Plan um, in honor of the 504 Rehab Act in the 70s. So, fun facts. Fun facts, fun facts. It is really, really stressed upon us from a young age when you have a disability and you're going to school to advocate for yourself. It is like a super, super stressed thing, oh even when you're like a five-year-old. <laughs> no, I know. It's funny because... I've been hanging out a lot with my parents, and my mom is finding all of these things from when I was growing up. And recently, she showed me just, like, a bunch of IEPs from when I was super young. And it was hilarious, because on this IEP from when I was, like, five, they were, like, asking what they wanted for me as, like, a middle school and a high schooler. And they are like, she's five. And they're like, to, wow. to pursue her goals and to be a good citizen <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it says <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that's so fascinating like yeah on the yeah when you're young your parents pretty much take care of the IEP but on the IEP it, it lists all the services that you will need and the teachers have to follow it as part of the law like you have to give these accommodations so I have a long list that Cassandra and I put together of certain accommodations or tools that we used in school so I'm just going to read through it and we can kind of just comment on each one you know we'll try to get through it fairly quickly but okay so the first thing we want to mention is braille because uh personally and I think Cassandra might be the same but I'll let you speak for yourself but personally when I was growing up they decided to not teach me braille because I have enough vision to read print and my vision is supposed to stay stable throughout my life so I did not learn braille I kind of wish I had in a sense but I actually w struggled with reading a lot, and so I think if I was trying to learn reading by sight and learn Braille at the same time, it would have, like, just blown my mind. It would have been too much for my brain to handle, I think. So I think learning mm -hmm. print was fine for me at that age. Yeah, it's funny, and I think you'll see, like, Casey and I were two different kinds of students. I was, like, definitely a nerd. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually am bilingual, so I did know two languages already, and I, I could read when I was four. But I, what they would say about me when I was really young is that I'm a very visual blind person, which is like kind of an oxymoron. But they started teaching me Braille, but I just had no interest. I wasn't mm. interested because I could already read and I just felt like I was learning to read again. And, <laughs> and I was like, this is so boring. I can just get really close to the paper and be okay. That was my five-year-old logic, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And yeah, we are different students. I, well, we'll get, we'll, we'll get more into it, but yeah, I yeah. was not a super academic student. I just 
it, I was a very artsy child, and we'll get into that. But I was more into the arts than into academics. And Cassandra was like basically like the top of your class. Like <laughs> you were like so smart. <laughs> but oh, um, and then we'll get into the social aspects too. But um, because I think. Like, we need to do a real quick disclaimer that we're obviously not speaking for all blind people. Some mm-hmm. blind people struggle academically. Some blind people struggle socially. And it doesn't really necessarily have to do with the fact that you're blind, as you will see in this episode, because Cassandra and I had very different experiences in school. Yeah. Also, Casey is smart. Just, like, uh, thank just you. to throw that out there. <laughs> so, next thing is a CCTV. Oof. These are, like, so it stands for closed circuit television. It's... I never knew that. <laughs> I literally didn't know. So it's just this giant, bulky monitor from, like, the 90s. (laughs) It's, like, raised, and underneath there is a camera with a kind of a... It works with, like, refraction, so, like, it hits a mirror, and then it hits another mirror, and then it, like, scan... It sort of just... uh, Whatever you put under it gets enlarged um, on the screen, so... right. So if you had any papers, you could put it in your CCTV and you could see the paper enlarged. So that's something we used. And stop me if you ever want to say more about any of these things as I move on. The next thing is a monocular. So I'm sure all of you have heard of binoculars, which is two eyes. A monocular is just one eye. And I got my first monocular in the first grade. And it was like Me too. (laughs) No, me too. And we were talking about this when we were planning that they were like... They were really heavy and they were really bulky, just, I guess, so that, you know, a first grader wouldn't lose it. Right, But, no, it was, like, I don't know, I felt like I was holding, like, a military weapon because it was very, like... Heavy and and like durable. <laughs> yes, it looked, like, and I had this like string that went around my neck that held it too. And I, I still, I used a monocular all throughout school, even in college. So basically, we would use it to read the board. We would sit on the front row and use our mm. monocular to read the board. So that's what we did with that. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Next thing is a dome magnifier. <laughs> It's like a dome, and you place it on top of a piece of paper. But I just never found it very helpful. I just, I hate it because the light gets caught in it because it's just a little, it looks like a paperweight, right? But like, yes, the light will like bounce around in it and it just makes it with the glare and the shadow. It's hard to read things, actually. Yes. Agreed. Sorry, this is a very long list, but okay, a slanting stand. Is that what you call it? I called it a slant board. A slant board. So this is like a wooden board that is slightly slanted so you can put your papers on it so you can read your papers without having to lean all the way over your desk and hurt your back. I think a lot of visually impaired people have posture problems and back problems. Like, I remember taking tests and being in excruciating pain from having to lean over all the way over my desk. So, like, this was a a stand where you could put your papers on the stand. I took my ACT this way. Um, it's really big and bulky, though, so I didn't have it in every classroom, and I was also embarrassed by it, which we'll also get to later in the episode. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, like, I have, like, memories of using these tools, but, like, I just feel like there are a lot of reasons why I never, I mean, I would use them when I thought it was appropriate, but, like, I remember in third grade, my CCTV was just, like, sort of in the corner of a room but there were still people sitting behind me and so I just felt like everyone was just watching me while I took a test and maybe Ooh. copying my answers I don't yeah. know <laughs> oh weird I know, oh my right? goodness 
another thing we had was enlarged papers, and you would think it would be just a normal size paper with bigger font, but no. I don't know, Cassandra, if you had the same thing, but my- It's the legal size. Yeah, and my actual papers were ginormous. I hated that. <laughs> you had to fold them in half and then, like, flip them over to finish reading them, and then they would fall off your desk because they were so long they'd <sighs> hang over the sides. <laughs> yeah, I hated using those. It was just embarrassing. I would have rather used a magnifier. With Ugh, regular yeah. print. <laughs> yes. Okay. A few more. Uh, we were always sat on the front row. Was like part of our IEP, but it never really made a difference. I couldn't read the board anyway. So no, not with my naked eye. Yeah. No. But to be fair, it's I like I finally realized in college that when I had to sit in the second row because that's just what was available when I got to class, and I pulled out my monocular. I couldn't see the board anyway. And I was like, well, this is why I sit in the front row. <laughs> oh, wow. See, I've never, like, not sat in the front row. So I literally wouldn't know how far back I could use my monocular. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I was really, I just felt very like, oh, well, I guess I'm still <laughs> blind. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and the last thing I have is no scantrons. We were both exempt from using scantrons on the test, which is like the bubble sheet, you know, the bubble in. Because if we got one number off, every answer would be wrong, and it was really hard to track back and forth and to yeah. see where you were placing your answer. The tracking was really the big issue. It's the especially tracking. with me. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of just non, non-disabled, non non-visually impaired people have this issue, too. Like, you'll skip a line or you'll do two on the same, but it is that much harder for us to pick out which bubble we're actually supposed to be using. So it's tough. We're going to also talk about standardized testing and because it's a big deal and the teachers make a big deal out of it and how Mm -hmm. when you make it big, it's no longer in color, which can sometimes be a problem. Um, I hated that. Yeah, it's the worst. When I was in first grade, we weren't allowed to ask any questions during our test. It was a big deal. Um, and there was a question on it. What color are these crayons? And you had to say, and mine were black and white. So I raised my hand to ask the teacher. And she's like, no questions, Casey. And I was like, but, but. And she's like, no questions, Casey. It was so frustrating because I knew I was going to get that question wrong because my thing was enlarged. And that's just messed up because I think that there were time. I remember once you had told me that story thinking about my standardized tests. And I remember, like, sometimes even in like third or fourth grade they would show you a graph with two color-coded lines Mm -hmm. and like they both just looked solid and black on the test and it was like impossible to actually be able to tell the difference and like that's a whole issue when it comes to accommodations the issue of like separate but equal accommodations it's like oh we're giving you the thing but it is like poor quality and like not as helpful but here you go And we also, another thing that wasn't really in our IEP, but I wanted to mention is we also have to wear sunglasses outside. So we were laughing about whenever there was a fire drill, like the teacher was like, whoa, get your sunglasses, Casey, where's your sunglasses? And then if I would forget my sunglasses and do the fire drill, I'd be miserable standing outside squinting. Actually, that makes me think so. um, Because I knew since I was really little that I had Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome, um, I knew that I had a bleeding disorder or like my parents knew right um so what what we had was this little purple box um it was small but it had like all my little things so I had 
like sunscreen. I had tea bags in case I like would lose a tooth and a tea bag actually helps cauterize bleeding. Oh. Like black black tea. Yeah, fun fun facts again, I guess. Um so they would those were in there. Um I think that was like some Vaseline in case I had like a nosebleed and my sunglasses, like backup sunglasses and I think in first or second grade, I had a whistle at some point because I would get lost. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and, and I could whistle and someone would find what? me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny because... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that's so funny. That's so funny. I I only ever used it a few times. I only remember having it really in first grade. But yeah, I wow. had this little pink whistle. A little whistle. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the life of a blind kid? It's just so I know. funny. Like, it's so funny. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. It's like putting a bell on a cat. Like let's be real. No, literally, it's like a bell. Like, yes, exactly. Oh man. Okay, so uh, oh, one other thing that I had also, I, I realized, um, I had orientation and mobility, which we've made reference to in past episodes. So I went to public school for elementary, so I had an IEP. Um, but when I was in third through fifth grade, I would get pulled out of class once a week and I would do mobility training, which was like really helpful, especially having it so young. They were skills that I like was able to develop later on. That when I had O and M again, um, they were just really crucial. Just like knowing cardinal directions and um, finding, they would do, do something called landmark versus clue. So a landmark would be like a building, and a clue would be you know a, a yard sign that something that would be likely to change. Um, and a landmark is something that, like, you would know, oh, there's a fire, like, a blue fire hydrant on this corner. Well, I know I'm on this street. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do as much O&M. I don't remember at that age, but I do remember getting pulled out of class as young as preschool. They would pull me out, and I don't even really remember what they did with me, to be honest. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> it was, like, because of my vision. They were, like, working with me. And it, it probably was some O&M stuff as well thrown in there. I just don't really remember it. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and we would get pulled, like, I got pulled out of class for many different reasons, most of which, like, were related to my vision. Like, sometimes they, you know, did, a, like, a psych evaluation, which I think they would just do for a lot of the students with disabilities. Yes, they did that with me. IQ tests, like, mm-hmm. I actually got pulled out of class the most, though, because I was actually in the gifted program for, like three years in elementary school so once a week we would go to a different school and do nerd things <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love that but yeah so so socially though um just growing up blind is is different especially when you can see a little bit um there's like that period of adjustment where you start to realize oh I can't see as much as everybody else or I like can't find people on the playground um so I think that that was a really tough like finding people on the playground yes I I definitely knew I, I don't remember ever not knowing I couldn't see well like I, my parents never sat me down and told me I always knew like I don't remember a time yeah. I didn't know 
But yeah, finding kids to play with on the playground was so hard. My thing, which was a little bit later, I don't want to jump ahead, but it's still a social thing, was finding kids in the lunchroom, mainly in high school. Um, Because for some reason, when my high school gave us our schedules, they wouldn't tell us what lunch we were going to have until like the first day of school so I couldn't Mm. even figure out if my friends were going to be in my lunch or not so I was begging my friends like find me if if I'm at at your period of lunch because I went to a really big high school I was like please find me because it was so stressful we only had 30 minutes to eat lunch so like I'm I was left alone sometimes and Yeah. yeah just like any kind of social cues people waving at you in the hallway or smiling at you or any of that stuff is obviously difficult um and like Cassandra and I talked about this and she like I was afraid of like going down the slide and climbing on the jungle gym (laughs) and the playground and stuff and we were talking because we think that's 95% just who I am and then maybe 5% my vision like I think it's just who I am but my vision didn't make it any better because Cassandra you weren't like that at all girl I like walked up the slide I climbed on the jungle gym I climbed on the monkey I was like all over I loved I I love risk and adventure and like ever since I was really little so yeah I feel like that's really on brand for both of us yes well my vision teacher in preschool would work with me after school about going down the slide and she would give me these little caramel candies if I would go down the slide and it was like you my didn't reward. even need to pay me to go down the slide <laughs> so, so I'm glad that we're co-hosting this podcast because it just goes to show like these things a lot of parents will blame these kind of things on their kids vision as I bet mm-hmm. mine did like when I was growing up my parents were probably like oh she's afraid of the slide because of her vision when really it was more so just who I am <laughs> as a person yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I knew, like Casey said, I think my parents never made it a secret or they never sat me down and were like, you can't see as well. Um, But I don't know. I don't have that like innate fear that maybe I should have. (laughs) Right. No, totally. But as far as like, I don't want to say this in some kind of like braggy way, but I've always, I've never had problems making friends. And I think that's another thing people blame blindness on is like, oh, my kid, you know, and, and it's different for everybody. The Once again, the blindness can play a part with social cues, but I really never had a problem. I, I always made friends easily. Um, so, yeah, that's funny because I have a story. So I didn't struggle per se to, to make friends. I, I was very outgoing, very friendly. I would just like walk up to people and say hi. I was super extroverted. But social cues were just something that, yeah, kind of what you said about the slide, part of it was I had no interest in learning social cues. I, like, I think some kids are sort of born more observant. I was not. And, and then a lot of that has to do with my, even today, like, social cues are so difficult. Just body language and facial expression, like, those things are lost on me. Uh, but my... Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> My mom, like, is such a hero because yes, we love her. <laughs> she did what's so what what I call social intervention, um, and <laughs> we we like would sit down and she would explain like what appropriate behaviors were and what and weren't. So I like have a memory of this of I, it's so hard for me to to realize when two people are having a conversation. Um, if even, especially if they're like really far apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom, I loved like American girl dolls growing up, but my mom like took 
some dolls and she stood them next to each other. She's like, these are two girls having a conversation. And then she picked up a third one. She's like, this is what you're doing. And she put her like in between the two girls. And I was like, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. No, I do have memories when I was a young child of doing things that I thought people couldn't see me doing. Because I, I wouldn't have been able... Does that make sense? Because I wouldn't have been able to see it. Yeah, I still struggle with that. Like, I I don't know really what people can and can't see around me. So, like, sometimes I have to remind myself, like, okay, there, there are people watching. Don't, don't do that just yeah. now. <laughs> I've been, like, acting since I was really young, like, seven or eight. And so I always have been super, super, super observant and into, like, social cues, facial expressions, eye contact... I've always been like hyper aware of that stuff because I've had to be with that. So I think that's, that's really funny. interesting. Yeah, I'm really not good at that. It's it's been like a learned behavior for me, but um yeah. I definitely think your eye contact is better than mine, I will say. Like I have to I purposely really 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 worked on it for years and years and have to re- yeah. purposely think about it when I'm with somebody. I can't just yeah. Wow. Um now we're going to go to middle school, which personally for me, I think we kind of talked about how like for me middle school was like my version of hell and for you it was more high school for various reasons, yeah. right? But mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about bullying, though. Um, we we want to touch on this because it's definitely like kids with disabilities can sometimes be like the target of bullying. Um, mm. So you can go first and talk about your experience with that. Yeah. So I was never extremely targeted, um, which I find I mean, I look back and I think is a little surprising. But then again, if you saw me in person without a cane or a guide dog, you probably wouldn't think that I was blind either. So I think really when uh, the main thing that would happen to me was like, so in sixth grade, I, uh, I had finished public school at the elementary, but I transferred to a private school and that transition was so difficult for me. Um, like I mentioned, I was like really socially awkward I was still really social, but, like, didn't really understand how to, you know, how to read people. And so that, it was just such a different environment and not an environment that I was really cut out for. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really my main problem was just, like, I didn't, I didn't fit in in a really obvious way. I didn't really behave like everybody else. And so, um really I just was probably excluded from a lot of stuff because I was really awkward and everyone already had their own friends um but I don't think it was more disability rated related I just think it was you know behavioral and my friends weren't friends with their friends parents or whatever (laughs) yeah no totally I think like like you if I ever was bullied it was rarely even my disability related to be honest like elementary Mm -hmm. school and high school I was not really the target of much bullying at all um middle school I was but I think that's just a middle school thing for a lot of people like people Mm -hmm. can be so catty and mean in middle school so like most of the bullying I remember it was never never severe I know some kids go through such severe bullying it's so awful um it was never that severe but all the bullying I remember mostly was not even related to my vision which is really great I think I was always joking about my eyes to the point where like other people 
didn't even want to because I, I beat them to the punch, you know? Like, yeah. I, I was confident enough, even back then, kind of, in who I was to not really... But I did tell Cassandra a story of one time this kid in middle school, he was a bully to everybody. <laughs> he was mean to everybody. But he said in a really mean way, like, what's wrong with your eyes in front of a big group of kids? And I said, well, what's wrong with your face? And all the kids went, ooh. (laughs) And then I felt so, and then Cassandra says, this is very on brand for me. I felt so bad that I apologized (laughs) to him later. I would have just totally let that happen. Like, like, let that go. Right. I love that you went and apologized. (laughs) She was like, that is so on brand that you apologized. (laughs) I think most yeah, if anything that was visual related, um, it wasn't to my face, because um, people knew that I used visual tools, so they knew that there was something wrong with my eyeballs, uh, right. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know to what extent, and I think most people just kind of let me be, um, but no, I actually got the best compliment ever when I was in, like, first grade. I don't know if anyone has seen Spongebob, but um, Casey and I realized that we're both massive fans of we are the early Spongebob seasons. Seasons one through three. like Only, uh, only seasons one through three. Truly a masterpiece. Like, truly yeah. high comedy. I mean, I it. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> so there's an episode where, like, you know, Spongebob's trying to get into this, like, big tough guy club, and one of the, like, giant muscly men was like, oh, you gotta have muscles on your muscles, and, like, his muscle grew a bunch of muscles, and then, like, you gotta have muscles on your eyeballs, and, like, (laughs) this girl in first grade told me, meaning completely well, and I loved it, she was like, you have muscles on your eyeballs because I squinted so much. <laughs> and honestly, I think that that's so accurate. I mean, high praise. High praise. High praise. Like, we take a Spongebob compliment any day. Like, make a Spongebob <laughs> reference around me and you're in my circle. Like, I love yes. that so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, so services in middle school. And this is funny because Casey and I, and I think most students in low vision, kind of had the same thing go on. Um, we went on a service strike because (laughs) we wanted to fit in and we didn't want to look weird, so we didn't want to use our tools. (laughs) Yes, I think all kids, if you're a parent of a kid with low vision, just be prepared. Most kids are going to go through a time where they are very embarrassed of the tools they use and they don't want to use them in school. So mine actually was more fifth grade is when I remember it, even more so than middle school. And I remember I wanted so badly for my teacher to give me my papers discreetly. So I had the big and large papers that we talked about. And I was like, I don't want him to make a big deal out of it. I want him to hand it to me discreetly. So my mom told talked to him about it. So then, like... A week later, he was like, hey, Casey, here's your giant economy-sized paper. And it was so rude. Gross. And it was like, I was already so embarrassed. And I think adults don't realize how embarrassing it is for kids. So, yeah. Mm. Did you have any, um, like, what was your strike story where you went on strike and didn't want to? We didn't, okay, like, to clarify, we didn't actually go on strike, y'all. We just, like, (laughs) got embarrassed of our tools. We didn't want to use them, so. Yeah. And this is just, like, it is so laughable to talk about now, but just, like, uh, so I thought in my seventh grade 11-year-old brain that it would be 
not as big of a deal if I didn't use my monocular to look at the board, but if I just, like, freaking stood up and went to go look at the board. How is that less discreet? discreet? Yeah, that's even I, more distracting. <laughs> I don't understand myself, but that was what I was doing. Um, oh, man, that sounds really exhausting. Yeah, but, you know, it, like, I think that most most people need to kind of go through that so then in the end you value your tools more right as a note to parents and this was something i appreciated that like my mom didn't do was like don't don't forcibly ask for like tools for your kids that your kids don't want like oh. if they're not going to use it you know don't like chew up the teacher if they don't have it because my parents my parents never did that they were just like okay if you're gonna use the tool you're gonna use it if you're not then whatever yeah and I was glad that they let me be dumb and in seventh grade and do what (laughs) I wanted even though it didn't fully make sense you know well sometimes too the tools are like more trouble than they're worth like sometimes if they don't help you that much and they're bulky and they're annoying you don't want to use them yeah listen to what your kid needs and Mm -hmm. your kid might go through a phase where they don't want to use it but just listen to what they need because they'll eventually learn and they'll figure it out and yeah the other thing I had another funny story of like when I finally did use tools um I was I said I had an electronic magnifier I have this memory of like being in an algebra class in eighth grade and like I was sitting around a bunch of boys and the boys were like oh cool can I see that and whatever (laughs) so (laughs) they were like looking at the carpet and they're like whoa look at the carpet and like looking at at the fibers of the of the clothes but then one of them wrote something really tiny like I'm gonna write a really tiny word and being a middle school boy, they were like, ah, it says poop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why are all of our experiences the same? Because I feel like all my the kids would grab my monoculars out of my hand, like, you know, like always trying to look through my tools and use my tools. Even as an adult, my friends, I won't name any names, <laughs> Ashley, um, likes to grab my cane and, like, walk around with my cane. She thinks it's very fun. She's like, oh, it feels so cool. You can feel the cracks in the road. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Love you guys. I love that. (laughs) Okay, so high school. So high school. Well, I was going to say a big thing that helped me in high school. So I I went to private school. I was homeschooled. And I went to public school. So I, I don't understand why I did all three. But anyway, when I went to high school, I went to a big public high school. And my mom, every year and in college, would we would get my class schedule and she would walk me like before school, like a week before school started, she would take me to the school, walk me to all of my classes. And let me tell you something about blind people. We can memorize really, really well because we have to. Mm -hmm. So I would just memorize my class schedule and then I would walk it. Did you ever do anything like that? I totally did. My, um, so sometime, I mean, so my high school was private and extremely small. Um, each class had maybe like 40 to 60 people so the whole building I knew it back to front but in college I went to a really really massive university and so before my freshman year my mom and I did something similar we walked around to find the buildings and you know even then I still got lost but to be fair Uh, everyone got lost and people would 
I, I looked like I knew what I was doing after I figured it out. And people would ask me, the blind girl, for directions, which I always found fascinating. But, you know, whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really helpful. Oh, no, for sure. And another thing I got in high school a lot was, you know, we were using overhead projectors a lot more in high school. And so anytime there were notes on the overhead projector, like, um, I would get a copy of those notes so I wouldn't have to copy them from the overhead projector. Because it's really difficult, even if you can see out of your monocular, mm. it's really difficult to be looking at it and copy down notes. In fact, it's impossible because you're holding it with your hand. So it's impossible to copy down notes and look at the same time. But I was telling Cassandra yeah. the story... One of my teachers, it was on my IEP, so it's the law that he has to do this. And one of my teachers, I said, hey, can I have the notes for the overhead projector? And he said, well, if I give the notes to you, all the kids are going to want them. Uh And I was like, I'm blind. Like, what? How hard is it for you people to understand? It's not. It's it's an accommodation. It's not just like a nice thing. Oh, yeah, it's not like, just it's like a, a necessary fun thing. thing. It's literally necessary. I literally will not have the notes taken down if I do not get a copy. <laughs> so, ugh. Yeah. yeah. Ew. That's really gross. I know. So, it's funny. Um, after a certain point, you know, we had to learn to advocate for ourselves. Like we said, it was something that was thrust upon us from a young age. Mm-hmm. But um, after a point, I think we just got kind of tired of it. And it wasn't as much of, like, a strike as it just was, like, I don't know, just kind of accepting, like, well, I guess this is how it is. Choosing your battles, basically. Yeah, which, you know, in terms of access and accessibility, you really, you really should fight almost all of them so that you can have an equal chance of success. Yeah. But... We were just tired. And so, it's exhausting. Like, it's exhausting. Having to ask for a Scantron, or like no Scantron, every time you took a test, the teachers would always forget. They'd always forget. Yeah, always. they're like, oh, I just took... Because when you don't look disabled, quote unquote, um, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, you're doing fine. Like, you can handle mainstream stuff. And it's like, well, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> Mm, yeah, they never got it. But when I was in high school, the tools that I used mostly, so um, we had a local nonprofit organization for blind kids in our our region. And so they would they were actually super helpful at providing me some tools that I needed. So they got me my first laptop when I was in like sixth or seventh grade. Um, And then they got me my first iPad at the end of my freshman year of high school. And let me tell you, my iPad is now, and since then, and still now, is my greatest visual tool. Yes, I I agree. For everything, it is my magnifier. It is my enlarger. It it does everything. Something I did was I was and still am horrendous at math. This has nothing to do with my vision um, because Cassandra is amazing at math. I was always an English brained person. So I love I love reading and grammar. Uh, Oh, by the way, I know I said I was I hated reading when I was young, but something clicked in me when I was like. Uh, actually Twilight by Stephanie Meyer thank you Stephanie um, because that's <laughs> what got me into reading when I was like 14 and now I love reading but anyway that's so beside the point I was bad at math and I really struggled because math is so visual and the teacher would always say like put this number here and that number there and I was really struggling taking notes and looking at it so I literally had this lady 
just it, only in my math class, sit at the desk with me, and she would write out the notes as the teacher took them in front of me so I could look as as it would be like looking at the chalkboard, but I was looking at what this lady was writing in front of me. So I had that for math, kind of a weird accommodation, but I needed it because I was like work? struggling. Like, did it help you? It did help. I still was, I still really struggled all throughout math, but that's just because I'm, I'm bad at math. Like, yeah. it's not really a visual thing. I just needed I, that to get by. Sure, sure. And sometimes it just doesn't click. Um, it's it just like does not click. Not, no, it does not compute. There's, yeah, there's a whole theory about, like, I think it just needs to be taught better in schools, period. But yeah. I also, so Casey was talking about having a monocular and having to set it down and then take notes and then pick it up. Um, I have what's called a bioptic lens. A lot of people use them for driving because in some states it's legal to learn how to drive with a bioptic, but it's basically a pair of glasses with a monocular mounted onto them. Um, so I found that really helpful for note taking too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also had a story like your teacher um, who didn't want to accommodate for you. I was in pre-calculus when I was a junior in high school and I took this quiz and I like probably failed it. I don't even remember, but I realized that I, it looked right to me and I was like, went up to the teacher and I asked him like, what's wrong? And he said, you know, there was a negative sign. I was like, oh my gosh, that changed everything. But I had mm-hmm. no idea. I literally could not see it. And so, like, he and I had to have, like, a, a essentially a confrontation with the intervention specialist, the um, special ed teacher, and saying, like, look, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that I was missing information. And, like, he be- in the end, he begrudgingly gave me some points back, but, like, he just didn't quite believe me. Um, oh, and I just find awful. that so frustrating. Yeah, there would be times where I would think, like, a division sign was a uh, negative, you know, like a a subtraction sign or those Mm -hmm. kind of things. And it's like, yeah, when you miss something visually and the teacher and you get it wrong and then you're not, they don't believe you, it's so painful. Like, Right. um, They think that you're just trying to play them, but, like, you had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, But as far as, like, social stuff goes in high school, we wanted to touch on driving because that's a mm. big deal, and that's when you start driving for most people is in high school. So how did you handle that? Yeah, it was really cool because um, my mom was actually telling me recently what ended up really happening. When I had finished uh, mobility in fifth grade, when I was transferring schools, my mom asked her like what advice she had, and it was her advice, so thanks, Mrs. Riddell. Um that when I was 16, when I turned 16, everyone, like, already was, like, trying to get their license, and living in the Midwest, like, driving is such a rite of passage, you can't really do anything without driving, but, you know, fortunately, like, I was privileged to have, like, my parents that were willing to drive me around, and sometimes my older brother, but for my 16th birthday, my mom took me to go and get my state ID, and it was really funny because, um... (laughs) I trolled a bunch of people with it because when we came home, I stood next to the car and I took a picture holding my state Uh. ID and a whole bunch of people thought that I got my license, which is hilarious. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, um, I remember (laughs) I was such a little like Elle Woods in high school. I love pink. I still love pink. My room is pink. 
Um, and I like joked that I wanted a pink car. Obviously, I knew I couldn't drive, but I was like, if I was getting a car, it would be pink. And I was like, Mom, I want you to buy me a Barbie car that's pink. Like, I want a car on my 16th I birthday. Love it. And so on my 16th birthday, I had dinner with a bunch of friends and my mom gifted me like it was like a pink Barbie car. But I and I know like that might sound harsh, but that's what I wanted. Like I actually I love it was, that. Like, I think that's amazing a cool thing. Yeah. So I never I like I like Cassandra um, had my parents to drive me, my older sister, my friends. Um, so I never really I mean, obviously, it's a pain in the butt sometimes, but also I really had a good support system and I'm really grateful um, for that. Yeah, yeah. Jumping on to college. Not college. everyone goes to college, but we did. But we did. And it is, it's a whole other ball game. Oh, yeah. Your parents aren't here anymore and you're 18. Nope. And if your parents come and advocate on your behalf, they will literally pretend like they don't know you and like yeah. make you go away. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I think, uh, so at, at most, if not all colleges, there is like, a students with disabilities office um, mm-hmm. that you go and I guess kind of like register at before school starts and figure out the accommodations you need, figure out how to tell all of your separate professors, you know, mm-hmm. all of your accommodations. So for me, they, I think Cassandra, you said, I'll, I'll let you tell how yours did it, but I think Cassandra said hers was digital. I don't know why mine wasn't, but my, they gave me a piece of paper to give to all of my professors that explained what I needed on it and my accommodations. So the first day of class, I would, uh, after class on the first day, I would go up to my professors, hand them my sheets and explain my disability. And yeah, it was all alone. My parents weren't there. I had no, nobody helping me. It was just me going up to the professor, telling them what I needed. Yeah. No, and I pretty much did the same thing. Um, I would, every semester, go up to each professor, and I'd be like, Hi, I'm Cassandra. I'm clearly in your class. And, um, <laughs> like, these, I need to sit in the front row. I need to, like, take my exams and disability services. And I just kind of listen. And I would follow that up and send them an email with, like, all of what I had told them. And then I did, like, the digital exam scheduling thing so that they could schedule their exams um through disability services that would be for me because we took some of our exams in disability services office um i did all of them interesting okay see i was a theater major so a lot of my exams were like singing acting or dancing where i wasn't actually like doing a test if that makes sense so i would do Mm -hmm. like those kind of tests in the disability office um yeah and I also had a note taker in college. Did you do that? Yeah, I would do that. It was like someone that would volunteer from the class that you were taking to like share their notes with you. And they would get like, at least at Ohio State, they would get compensated, which was cool. Mine would get like scholarship credit or like hours. Um, so I think mm. my roommate, who Audrey, who I mentioned uh, that has the matching tattoo, I think for the first year she was in a lot of my classes. So she just came to disability services with me, and I was like, "Can she be my note taker for a lot of these classes?" And we, yeah, it was this piece. It was this like paper that if you write on the paper, it bleeds through to the next side. So they would take their own notes and then rip off the back and give me a copy of their notes. So yeah, oftentimes oh, you would wow. just get a student in your class to do it. I honestly just had people share, the, like take pictures of their notes or share like a Google Doc or, or any number of ways that they would share. I think a carbon copy would be really hard to read. Yeah, exactly. And so our majors were pretty different. Um, 
I majored in musical theater. You were, is it, what it, was it called software engineer? It's called uh, computer science and engineering. Computer yeah. science and engineering. So, like, yeah, we had totally different, like, experiences, obviously. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> um, I think a lot of mine, a lot of theater is not really visual. It's really not the same kind of accommodations I would have been using in elementary school and everything. I would say a percentage of my classes were were like chalkboard type classes because mm-hmm. I did take things like script interpretation and musical theater history and like um, all these different kinds of weird classes like so yeah being in engineering most of my stuff was on paper um, I had a lot of projects but you know the exam was usually uh, just a typical exam so I was had to be really vigilant about having all of my exams at Disability Services, but I will say my freshman year I was not. Um, I it was uh, freshman year was a lot for me. Um, like I was really really excited to be in college, but for context, like I had just um, and I'll talk about this in our next episode actually. But I had just had major surgery, so uh, just a couple months before starting my first semester of college like my whole life changed and Mm. so like having to ask for a lot of accommodations and like it was just it was a lot um I really did have to try and be better about it because the first calc quiz I took uh I failed because math is hard to see and yeah. <laughs> like we've said, and I did not do well because I literally couldn't see the quiz and I just, it wasn't fair to do to myself, but it was no one's fault but my own because I had to be the one to ask for that. Um, so that's really when I had started doing more, but even then it wasn't until my sophomore year of college after I had gotten my guide dog that I just finally got it together and I was like, okay, I need to take myself seriously enough to ask for the tools I need to succeed um, because it's actually something that my, my my third grade teacher had said to my mom of like, she shouldn't be tested for how well she can see it and she should just be tested for like what's in her brain. Yeah, and preach. I wasn't giving myself that shot because I wasn't, like, I was just working so hard to just see. Yes. Um, and I was just embarrassed asking the professor to, like, reserve a seat in the front row because I knew they were busy and I didn't want to be, like, yeah. super needy. Yeah. But, okay, your, your accommodations aren't needy. Your accommodations are needs. Okay? Right. Just saying to, like, my younger self. Yes, I know. Um, you always, yeah, sometimes you feel like a burden, especially when the professors just always forget about your accommodations. Yeah. yeah, freshman year was hard for me, too, because I had to take a lot of music theory freshman year, and that was super visual. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an adjustment. But I feel like what you said about getting your guide dog, it's the same way as I feel when I use my cane. I feel like it's much easier to advocate for myself when I have that because it's like a walking symbol that I'm blind. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally, I totally relate to that. Yeah, and really, yeah, There, I feel like I have a story that felt like really the turning point for all of that was I was taking, like, a core class for computer science, and I had talked to the professor. He seemed to sort of understand what I needed, but we had a quiz not too long after I had talked to him, and he just handed it to me and was like, oh, I forgot to take this to disability services this will be fine right and I was like and I looked at it and I was like no it's not fine good for you and so 
No, we we had to walk outside the room, and we had a confrontation, and I was, like, crying. Oh, man. Because I was like, sir, I need to to take this. I can't read this. This is too small. I'm not going to be able to do well just because I can't see, and that's not fair. Mm-hmm. And so he finally just, you know, let me take it to disability services, but... Yeah, that was the turning point for me to finally just get my act together and, like, find the tools I need. And from then on, like, I would. And when the professor wasn't giving me the accommodations, I would tell them. I went with my class, my senior class, up to New York. And because I cried at this moment, so I'll, I'll tell my crying story. Um, we were doing a commercial <laughs> class. And so basically in any commercial audition, there's a camera filming you. And below the camera is the script hanging off of the camera. So you read it from there. So I went up to the man mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, I, I'm visually impaired. I can't read it. And he was like, why didn't you bring your glasses? And I was like, <laughs> I had to explain. But he said it in a mean way. So I had to explain. I was like, I don't have glasses, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, uh, well, this is how it's going to be in an audition. Like, you have to do it this way. You can't just hold it. Like, and he was so rude. And I had already had <sighs> so many times. We were taking a bunch of workshops up in New York. And I had already had so many times where my, where my vision was getting in the way. And I felt like I couldn't just do what everyone else was doing. And it was always this, like, little obstacle I had to deal with. And I went out into the hallway. And I just straight up cried just in front of everybody. Like, it was terrible. That's rough. But that's so difficult. There's definitely got to be a workaround. <sighs> I know. It's just, you know, basically. Basically, all of that to say is there are times where people just don't want to accommodate for you or just don't understand. And it can be so frustrating. But you just got to push for what you need and tell them, no, I need this. And I think as I've gotten older, I have no shame anymore with telling people. I'm like, listen, this is what I need, which is so against my personality type. Like, I'm not super assertive. But I've gotten that way about my accommodations because I'm not going to just sit back and not get what I need. Like, I'm going to get what I need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I am really assertive, but there there have been other times that I'm just like, is this worth the fight? Because I'm just so tired. Yeah, sometimes it's not worth the fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we have, you want to move on to our quick game? Sure. We have a little game. It's not really even a game, is it? It's kind of one of those, like, uh, I think in our second episode, we did the little, like, blind girl moments. So this is kind of like blind girl school moments and we're just going to go back and forth and read these moments and kind of talk a little about them because we think they're funny um so i'll start when in class when you would have to watch a movie and take notes on what was going on in the movie so the teacher would put this little tv in front of the whole class you can't see it and the teacher assumed that since you're on the front row you can see it wrong we're blinder than that people so I would always, like, fall asleep during the movie and not be able to take the notes, and the teachers would get mad at me. Yeah, I think there were times that, like, I think that mostly would happen when there was a substitute and they wanted to kill time. Mm-hmm. But th- I'm sure that there were times I kind of turned in a blank piece of paper, and I don't think they actually cared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, next one is, in quotes, how many fingers am I holding up? Oh, my gosh, yes. As kids... Mainly, I mean, as adults sometimes too, but as kids, I would get the question asked all the time, how many fingers am I holding up, Casey? Uh. I know, and it, it was funny. I think my dad actually told me that I should mess with people and be like 27 or <laughs> yeah. like, or Ain't just wrong. say like a number that was definitely not possible because I would get frustrated. It was like, I don't want to take your test anymore. Uh. I can see that you have four fingers. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> it was the worst. 
Um, the next one is CCTV inversion colors. So it's like a, a common thing that low vision people know that, you know, most uh, things are white background with black letters, but you can invert the colors on a CCTV to be black background with white letters, which was something adults pushed for me to do a lot as a kid. Yeah. I think that as a kid, I didn't see much of a difference, but as an adult, like when I would take my exams in college, I did use the inversion because otherwise it was just a big, I don't know, it's just uh, because of our light sensitivity, it's just like mm-hmm. a lot of white, white light reflecting in my eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, as opposed to a darker colored light, so actually I, I find that extremely helpful. But when I was little, like, they would have many different shades, and I don't know who they're helpful for, because there was like a like a blue, like a yellow on blue. I remember like, that. How does that help anyone? I know, that's not, that yes. Was, I remember that. Yes. Oh my gosh. No. That's it was not like helpful. a green on black and an orange on black. Like a I don't know red on green or something. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the sweetest thing a teacher or a student has ever done to accommodate you. The thing I thought of with this is, um, in the fourth grade after school, I my teacher would teach kids whoever was interested. She would teach them piano. And it was really sweet because she would, like, write out all the sheet music really big for me. And she went above and beyond to really Aww. make sure I could see. Because it's really hard to play piano when you can't read sheet music because you can't lean over that far. So that really was helpful. I'm sure there are other things I'm forgetting, but, yeah. Yeah. Mine was another student. And it was my freshman year when I have mentioned that, like, I wasn't super uh, great at asking for what I needed. But, um my second semester I was in uh calc two and it was like I looked out with a really really good lecture and so people from other lecture sections would come and come to our lecture and if you got there fast enough people would steal all the seats so there were more people than there were seats um and I had a class right before it so I literally couldn't come fast enough so there were times I had to like sit on the ground or sit in the second row and I couldn't see Mm. like I straight up couldn't see and it was really difficult but one time I came to class and I saw uh the seat that I normally tried to sit in was like front and center it was like a big lecture hall like a big theater type seat yeah Someone had gone and printed out a sign that said reserved. <gasps> and when I caught, oh, no, when I came close to the seat, they took it off and they're like, the seat's for you. And no I was way. like, I could not believe it. It was like, I, I didn't even know That's her. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I, this girl like went home, printed out a sign that said reserved oh from her gosh. dorm and then brought it to class. I was just in shock and I had no idea how to thank this that person is but it just was the so nicest thing nice. oh my god yeah I have so many moments that are so nice that people have done for me like that but none of them were really school related so there is an episode in the future where we will discuss all of that wink mm-hmm. wink um we're excited about that but that's just so sweet oh my gosh um so another one is did you have any other blind kids or low vision kids at your school because I did not. I don't I don't remember that I did either. I don't think so. At my college, um, I, I think, think there were a few, actually, but not in I, I ran high into Yeah, I ran into a couple guide dog users in college, but um I don't think any of them were in my major either. So Yeah, no, definitely no one in my major. Um so were you ever pulled out of class for 
interventions slash special ed at all? Yes. So I, and it was weird because the only one I remember was in fifth grade. Uh, There was this class for just like random disabilities, I guess, kind of like dyslexia, ADHD. I'm not sure what they were, but it was just kind of a random mix of us. Um, And we would just go to this like free period and do some some of our homework in there and get some extra help if we needed it, I guess. And then in high school, it was so weird. Only my English classes I, like it was a normal English class with mainstream students, but it was students that had it was just like I just described. I had extra little disabilities or things they needed help with. And so I don't know. It was really weird that it was just English class because I was really good at English. So that's just all they offered for that. But I was always in that class and there was just an extra co-teacher in there to like help us out a little more. But it kind of seemed pointless, to be honest. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> Not really. Like I said, I got pulled out of um, school in elementary for, like, the gifted program. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. But, like, I think in in seventh grade for maybe one or two quarters, it was on my schedule that I would spend my free period in the special ed room. Um, But I think they stopped putting it on there because I literally never needed any help. Because all I needed was, like, the tool the right tools otherwise like my brain functioned fine uh thankfully so I could do the same work as pretty much everyone else I just needed you know I needed my tools right I had them with me so I didn't really need to be in that class (laughs) right um so the last one I have is any kind of embarrassing moments with the tools you use so I know we mentioned earlier in the episode like enlarged papers falling off of your desks and stuff Um, Mine, I have a quick story of when I was in college, I was in just a gen ed math class and I had my monocular and it fell out of my hand and it just, it's a circle. So it just rolled all the way across (laughs) the whole classroom under everyone's desks and everyone's looking at it going like, huh, what? Because like nobody knew me in that class. It was a bunch of random kids and nobody knew that I was even blind or whatever. So then somebody (laughs) had to pick it up for me and it was so awkward. Mine is really weird. And it's, it is monocular related. But when I was in sixth grade, and again, I had transferred schools, I don't even know, like, the background to this. I just know, okay, like, I wasn't super organized. Like, that was something that I had to work hard at. Um, but one of the teachers found my monocular in the boys' bathroom. What? Why? Gross. I don't know. Isn't that bizarre? Um, I love how both of our stories were monocular related, but also, <laughs> yeah, that's really disgusting. I would not want to hold that up to my eye after having I know. been found in the boys' bathroom. Yeah, gross. No, I, gross. I can't even begin to imagine why that was necessary, but okay. Mm, well, fun times in school. <laughs> we could go on and on, as you guys can tell, about our school experiences. Like, just being a blind kid in school, it's just so, so much, for sure. Yeah. So, that was our that was our game. I guess it's about time for us to sign out. But we, of course, want to plug our socials. Follow us on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, all the places. And email us, hello at yes. rarewithflare.com. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys, so thanks for everyone who's reached out so far. And we have 47 reviews on Apple, so please slide into those reviews and tell us that yes, we are nice we're getting or not, there. so that you can hear Casey's yes. dog voice. <laughs> 
Yes. Bye. Um, we hope you all have a great back to school season. <laughs> Bye. Bye.